Season 2, Episode 31, and the boys from the back pocket are here to talk to you about MBO to start off this very podcast. How we, We've always been doing this, and we got a little story, and it goes way back in the old days, the grinder days, the, the beautiful days, the old times, as we used to call it. Andrew and I went on a camping trip not too long ago with our MB Outdoors gear on, and let me tell you folks, it was a damn treat because us city boys were taking our excursions outside up to Salona State Forest. Salona. Salona, sorry. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's hard. I didn't even really know how to pronounce it until after the trip when I was looking up and creating that YouTube video, but while I was looking at that YouTube video doing all the editing and stuff, seeing us in that gear really, I think made that video the quality that it actually was i think you're absolutely right let's also not mention when we ran into the uh the local folk up there you know it wasn't like hey how you guys doing oh yeah because it's really important to know where we camped was not necessarily the proper camping ground we camped on in an area where hunting was going on yeah we were right next to the road so it wasn't like we were in any like scary parts for us to be potentially shot at so they knew like but when people were going out for their hunting excursions we always saw people coming through and there was one dude in particular yeah and he was uh what what were they hunting on the pheasants yeah, it was something along those lines. Yeah, they were hunting some pheasants or something. And anyways, the we're guy, not hunters. We're not hunters, clearly, but we are outdoorsmen because we wear MBO. Anyways, the the guy he doesn't he doesn't ask us how our day was. He doesn't. Um, we didn't really even ask him how his day was. He comes up to Andrew and he's like, "Hey, young sir, what are you wearing?" And I simply responded, "Hey, uh, you know, it's a sponsor of the podcast." I had to immediately hit home that it's. It's a, it's a supporter of the back pocket. Mm-hmm. And then I go on to mention it's MB Outdoors, which supports the backcountry, supports the veterans, and we're out here wearing this apparel because it makes us feel worthy of actually being outside. Yeah, and I say, look, sir, like, before, you know, we really get into anything, like, us city boys don't want to do you any harm. Like, we're out here just trying to have a good time, you know, just being uh, young boys trying to take their, their city their city slicking attitude uh, on this excursion because, you know, that's kind of what MB Outdoors represents. And what did he say? And then he goes, oh, so you're a city slicker. So you're up by that uh, Twin Cities, the Minneapolis area. And uh, is, this is during the, the renovation of the Viking Stadium. So U.S. Bank was getting uh, built. And he was talking about the U.S. Stadium, or U.S. Bank. And we're always like, oh, it's awesome. It looks great. And he goes, you know, 99% of it is actually unionized. And we're like, whoa, like, what does that even mean? Like, Chill out. We're city slickers, but we're here to support the backcountry with our MBO gear. Yeah, and, you know, just being real innocent about it, you know, not really putting anything out there. And then he puts that stat out there, and we're like, whoa, sweet facts. Like, then we came back. You know, if someone's going to throw you facts, you got to throw them facts right back out. So I was like, hey, go ahead and buy some gear. Go on to mboutdoors.com. Use promo code BACKPOCKET. Give you 15% off. I think you really like this. Sure, I mean, it looks great on us. It's a great fit. You know, there's some hats. They have pullovers. You know, they, they support their troops, man. They're supporting veteran or veteran charities, and they'll donate a p- portion of their, of of your purchase to that. And then, what is it? He's like, I'm sold. Where's your business card? How can I find these guys? Yeah, so we sold the guy, and I think we just sold you. So something to think about, folks. Take your excursions and represent something outdoors and be outdoors. That's what it's all about. Next up on the docket is our reoccurring ad sponsor, Skyline Specs. Yeah, so these guys, you know, these guys came up big in my day-to-day routine uh, today, actually. It was kind of wild. I was driving, surprisingly, and it was in the morning. Sun's just peeking up, and I could not see a thing. Could not see a thing. I was blinded. I started going, like, 
speed limit was 55. I started going like 40, slowing everyone down, slowing everyone's day down because I couldn't see. And I was like, dude, I really needed my Skyline specs right there. You know, super nice, polarized. I'd have been looking fly in the car, everything just kind of screwed up. Yeah, you got to have those on all on you at all times. The polarized sunglasses from Skyline Specs are irreplaceable when you have put them on the first time. Like you cannot, you have to have them on you at all times after that. Yeah, and so I will always have them in my car because you know they represent who I am, where I'm from. Got my Denver Skyline Specs. I also got my back pocket Skyline Specs. You know they fit me, they suit me. And and if you were to go, if these marketing interns, a new one just showed up and was listening to this very app, where would they go to find Skyline oh, Specs? That's a, that's a good point. Um, you can go to SkylineSpecs.com and use promo code BACKPOCKET for 15% off. But you know what else you can do? You can put yourself in the pot for a giveaway. Once a week, Skyline Specs does a giveaway and they're going to, you know, they're, they're always looking to give back to customers, new customers. So if you're a new guy out here, you're a new marketing intern. And you want to get some, get some, get your hands on some Skyline Specs. Go and follow them. Turn on post notifications at Skyline underscore Specs. Phenomenal. Uh, let's get to the let's get to the podcast. Roll it, roll it, Joe Walsh. I'm just in- Today is September 10th. The boys from the back pocket are here. We're present. We're now. Andy, experience. How are we? I'm doing well. Decky intros for the very first time. How'd it feel? Oh, God. It, that was nerve-wracking, man. There's a lot of thought that goes into that. You gotta remember the day. The day, your host's name, what kind of nickname I'm gonna call you. A lot of stuff being preloaded right there in my brain. I think you killed it, though. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. You, you really fired me up there, Deck. Good. Ooh, I'm fired up. Are you guys fired up? Yeah, we are. Because you know what? This is a this is a new announcement. This is our saying of the month. Yep, and you know it's that time of month where it's the middle of the month, all your bills have been paid, and you know it's time for the saying of the month. We put it in the middle because for that very reason. You're very preoccupied with your finances in the first 10 days. So we're like, we have to hold off. We can't overload them with another topic of remembering a saying. We can't do that. Let's wait to the middle, and then we'll, we'll impl- implement the next saying of the month in the middle of the next month. Yeah, when you guys will forget about it and but you'll be using this saying, you know, this will be we don't want to incorporate a saying, use it for a month and then throw it away. Mm-hmm. We want to just put it in our back pocket in our arsenal of other sayings. Oh, absolutely. And just start crushing it. Like what are some of the other sayings that we Well, had? the previous one was that's not what I heard. Mhm. And then the one before that or ones before that was like checks out. Um I'm trying to think of the other ones. I can't remember. I right think now. they're just part of but our... But this week, yeah, this month, good point. is fire me up because mm-hmm. we want people to be energized and we are always energized when we're on recording this podcast and when you interact with us or you're just interacting on your day-to-day life. The, the, the phrase, fire me up, really gets the people going. Mm, fire me up. And like, I think it just is a great filler for the word yes. So like, hey, can you, uh, can you make a pizza for us, Andrew? Fire me up. Mm, Declan, can you... Um, can you get this task done for me? Like at work, I'll just scream back to my boss, like "Fire me up, boss!" I'm all in. You know he's. You know that boss is all. Like he realizes how locked in you are with that response. Oh, for sure. Any other examples that I'm missing here? Um, I think you could say like, you're, "All right, Deck, I think it's time uh, to go to bed and you know get these uh, get these Z's and get our appropriate eight hours in." Fire me up. 
Fire me up, Andy. I'm all in, dude. I'm not gonna. I'm not shying away from any opportunity to get some Z's. No way. You got it. Lock in and lock and load. Hey, Deck. You know, I got to go fill up the ga- uh, the car. You need anything from the grocery store or anything? It's kind of dark. If, you don't want to be saying "fire me up" when it, when gas is involved. Ooh. Because then we're gonna have Andy. Poor, poor usage. Hey, thanks for ch- checking me out there. But that's good. Reeling me in. That's good that we were able to, you know. Show that on the podcast. Eliminate. Not only show good examples, but show bad examples of when not to use the term fire me up. I think at an airport, probably not a good shot, like idea. Like, can I, hey, like the TSA agent, like when he's like, hey, can I see your uh, boarding pass and ID? If you said fire me up, I don't think that would go over well. No, or you're sitting on the plane and you and you just sit right, you just sit down next to me, but I didn't realize you were in the same seat. And then they go, fire me up. And then... The whole plane turns around and looks right at you. Like, no, you can't be doing that. So eliminate those two when you're going to the gas station at the airport. Don't use this phrase. But it's just the average usage. You got to know when to use it, when not to use it. And that leads us to our next segment mm-hmm. and our Absolutely. reoccurring segment, first segment, average quality. Boom. And this one is going to be very um, interesting. It's a different take. We haven't really approached it this way before. Our average quality this week is fantasy football talk. Andrew, you want to want to detail that for us a little bit? Yep. So we're coming off the first weekend of NFL football, and you know, leading up to this, everyone was talking about their draft, and there were so many people talking about fantasy football, how good their team was, who I draft. You're, you're talking with your friends, you're talking with your coworkers, you're talking about it with the the stranger on the street because everyone's playing fantasy football, and whether you like football or not, for some reason, everyone's incorporated, right? Allegedly, and it, it's so annoying. I mean. I wouldn't say it's annoying. I just think it's redundant. And the other person communicating in this conversation probably does not care about your fantasy team. I think it's more than likely they do not they do not care. Yeah, I'm a betting man, and I would bet nine times out of ten that your friend does not care about, or some stranger, some homeless man does not care about your fantasy football team. But it's just such an easy thing to talk about it is. at the water cooler. Yeah. Like every or when you're passing by someone – at work, you know, or you're just, there's a lull in conversation. Mm. You're going to bring up their fantasy football team because you everyone can connect on it. Yeah, once you hit past, like, what the weather is that day, like, the next conversation, without a doubt, is who did you pick with the second pick in your fantasy football draft or how's your fantasy football team looking this week, this week you know, going into your first season or first game, I should say. Everyone's always got these uh, these hopefuls and then they're in that leads me into the the best topic for the second week is which player screwed you over which player tore their acl you know how is your fantasy team screwed a lot of people like to throw the negativity in the second week for some reason yeah it's it's at the end of the day it's just an average um to honestly below at it can no actually that's wrong mm. there's some really good times to talk about fantasy football and there's also just some really not so good times and at the end of the day, it's just your wildly average topic, fantasy football. And we wasted almost three Not, minutes. Don't waste it. We didn't we waste, never it. waste it. Okay. We, we talked about it for three minutes, yeah. which is fine. If you guys didn't like that, like that's just not us typically in terms of just sports. In sports. But, hey, we're here. We're now. I would say when I listen to someone talk to me about their fantasy football team, I'm locked into what they're saying because they definitely didn't have the same draft as I did. And I'm always the waiver wire guy. Mm. So I'm, I'm rated attack. Gotcha. Insider knowledge. Yeah. Appreciate that. Well, let's transition. Trap the puck. Mm-hmm. And this very episode has Phil Zhao on for the for the third time. And I, I want to correct myself. During the interview, I said we had Phil on for the first time, episode 30 or 35. That was wrong. We had Phil on, I believe it was episode 15, um, because it was um, uh, August 
of the first season of the back pocket and we started in february and we kind of um we didn't we weren't super consistent to start Mm -hmm. and once we hit i think during school started we were consistent as can be even the summer we were pretty consistent but phil hit us at a really cool time where we were locked in on the back pocket with a consistent message however phil took us to the next level and then we had phil on um, the beginning of season two for our very first live show that we did. And that was an, an experience in itself, a lot of learning to, that took place in that, but also a tremendous opportunity for us to just grow. And that was phenomenal. And now this is the third time we've had him on. And I, I again, this was so cool being connected with Phil for the third time. Absolutely. And I feel like every single time we've all individually, collectively, I would say, have grown in our own ways. When we were interviewing Phil last time, he was talking about momo like the rap artist that he just signed on at homey and like mm-hmm. all these really cool things that he was doing and at the time we were all bought in like dude this guy's a baller getting to know him for the first time and then now we're talking to him a year later and he's talking about getting distracted by the shiny things and one of those was the rapper and like all these all these different things nothing to not to bash the rapper or anything like that but just seeing the growth and how things change so fast and even like in less than a year mm-hmm very cool. So we'll get to that content of the interview in a few minutes. But before we do that, we're going to talk about this segment. Mm, this segment, segment alert. segment alert. It's a new segment, but kind of just implemented through the topic of our very podcast. So Homie is Phil's company, Homie.io. And it's a relationship building uh, platform similar to other websites like LinkedIn, like LinkedIn but niche down to your, to your university. So when you sign up, you are immediately put into the alumni pool or current status uh, student of, for us, St. Thomas. And we are going to go through a little segment here of all the students and post-students that could 100% optimize their experience on Homie. Yeah, so the goal of Homie is to, you know, find a mentor, find someone that you're similar, that you would bond with, and you can learn learn from from others. Exactly. Just learning from others through conversation, which is essentially what we do on this podcast. Um, And what's really cool is... You know, we're able or Homie's able to, you know, really put this and push this throughout on their new platform. So if you haven't ever signed up for Homie before, go sign up for their new on their new website. It's all nice and fresh, all redone for you guys. Makes it easy for you guys to sign up for Homie. Get build some relationships. We want to provide some guidance for all the interns out there right now. And we're gonna detail a couple of um avenues, would you say? Yeah. Um, of different people that would uh you know, build or have a chance at on Homie. So Full disclaimer, I think that's the right word. Yeah, yeah. I think you're crushing Full it. disclaimer. Um, fire me up. Uh, fire me up. Homie is for everyone. These are just people that we think, um, that we thought of um, in particular that could stand out on Homie. Very good point. So very first person that I kind of thought of when I was like, who could optimize Homie? I was like, um, let me, we're going to redo the uh, video real quick. GoPro, dude. That's all right. Keep going. <clears throat> we didn't miss a beat. Okay, the very first person I would like to optim- like to demonstrate would optimize Homie is the chess club. Mm-hmm. So if you are a member of chess club, there will be a group inside Homie that all participants that ever participated in chess club, whether they're doing it right now or in the past. And one member in particular that I think would stand out is that, that chess club uh, member who was watching film of the last week and learning from what they did prior. And then they would also watch the opponents 
film for the next week because you know there's all it's all about strategy with chess whether when to move your uh your pawn your rook your rook queen mm -hmm. king checkmate you know also let's not let's not forget uh the guy who is active very active on chess.com and he's you know he might be playing other people and dominating because he's a good chess player he's in chess club but he is just trying to beat the computer that never can be beaten yeah and that's the most difficult thing to do it's almost impossible. I'm yeah. Pretty sure it's impossible. I, I, hear, I, I hear it's impossible. Either way, that why, guy. Why would they be? Why would they be so successful on homie? Is because their attention to detail and their willingness to look out in advance about their future and planning, and that's what homie's there for you. Mm, absolutely. Let's let's hit the next one. Uh, chemistry. The chemistry club. You know the guys who are all super obsessed about being doctors someday, going through the grind of pre med. You know, one person in particular is the guy who can uh, point out all those or no, he knows like all the uh, elements that are on the bottom. You know, how they have like the little bridge in the middle and it kind of extends down. I'm explaining it horribly, but you kind of get the gist. It's like uh, yeah, the, I got unknown, the image in my head. OK, the unknown elements in the periodic table. For example, let's talk about Berkelium, Californium, Einsteinium, Prometheum. First of all, are any of these actually real? Like, who just got to name an element Einsteinium? Is it that is that a tangible thing on this earth? I have no idea. I wouldn't be that guy. I'm not that chem guy. Yeah, but there is someone out there, and there is two people, I would guarantee, an alumni from that institution and the current student at that institution that could easily have that conversation, that could easily build something and learn from each other. And boom, club, uh, chem club members, you can use Homie and join that club and find that person. Another person that I feel like could totally optimize Homie. And entrepreneurship, I mean, that's the perfect person to come onto Homie. And the, the entrepreneur that I'm thinking of is that man's who's just on Instagram following all the influencers and trying to interact with them on a day-to-day -day basis. Kind of like, you know, someone like us, but a younger version mm -hmm. that's on Homie. You know, if you could reach out to us and we could be your mentors. Absolutely. I, you couldn't have said that one any better. I'm going to hit another one. Mock trial. The kids that, you're, you know, your typical social justice warriors, the guys that are heads deep in the news, just always loving that content. Uh, a couple things that they'll probably get into, you know, they'll probably know exactly what happened in the OJ trial. Not a lot of people our age actually know that. Um, let's also not forget, like, they're always going to want to know what your opinion is on Roe v. Wade. Again, I don't know what my opinion is, but those people would. And those people would have coffee over it and talk about OJ and talk about Roe v. Wade and probably other things. Uh, besides the surface level things that I'm aware of. Phenomenal. Great example. And I want to transition a little bit to um, people that participated in sports, mm. all sports, intramurals, um, actual um, competitive. Student uh, athletes. Student athletes. I phrased that wrong, but thank you for helping me out there, Dad. Yeah, no problem. Um, one, per one team in particular, the rugby team. I feel like they could totally dominate homie because every rugby person loves beer. That's just a guarantee you know that. So when you sign up for homie, and you participated in rugby, you join that group, and you message any, every single person in that group, you want to grab a beer, you want to grab a beer, and there will be someone that has achieved some type of success um, in comparison that you feel is um, similar to your desire to pursue. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're like your major? Your major, or in the industry that you kind of want to uh, pursue sure. in the future. Yeah. Some rugby player Ask that them to grab a beer. works at Deloitte or Best Buy or Securian, you know, some one of those higher up places uh, life's a beach life's a beach you know back pocket maybe works at back pocket llc could you imagine could you imagine? a lot of these opportunities are out there but it's as simple as hey would you want to go grab a beer we both played rugby at st thomas together we both played rugby in college like let's let's have a conversation mm -hmm. it's that simple i would also not be shocked if there was a rugby group that started 
on homie that would have just a big party so everyone can talk together. Something to think about, rugby team. Let's also talk about cross-country. You know, the only people that I know on this world or in this world that can have, go on a 10-mile run and talk and have a conversation throughout the entire 10 miles are the kids that ran cross-country in college, without a doubt in my mind. So these people, hey, would you run a, want to go on a, uh, on a half marathon and talk about your life at, in college and, and, and where, what you're doing with your business now? Perfect opportunity. I don't think anybody else in this world would be able to accomplish that, but people on the cross-country team absolutely would. I mean, how easy is that? You could go on to Homie, click on the group that you participated in in college, cross-country, and then every single person in there want to go for a run, want to go for a run, and you're just reaching out to people that might have similarities in you but might not, and you can just go and do something you love with this person instead of just the prototypical grabbing coffee. Yeah, you or can, exchanging business cards. Like, what is that? What is that? It's, the, it's, it's not irrelevant, but it's so difficult to follow up with just exchanging business cards. It's not as natural as you would like it to be, as, like, running would be. Mm-hmm. Another perfect example that I thought would, uh, would be a unique situation, but a fun situation in itself. Nonetheless. Mm-hmm, is if you participated in intramural volleyball or intramurals in all regards. And with that, I mean, that sparks the flame of the alumni. Mm-hmm. You talk about intramurals, you know that person, if they did participate in intramurals, they loved it because every person in intramurals has a true passion for that and is ready to compete. And is probably in a men's league or a women's league of that associated sport at their company. At their company or with their friends. Mm-hmm. And that's a perfect opportunity to say, hey, do you want to join my team? Or how about we get our teams together and we compete against each other? Yeah, or we can just meet at the local country club that I belong to. And then we can all play. We can all ball out and then grab beers after, or like grab lunch or do whatever we really wanted. A lot of opportunities. A lot of opportunities. Homie has a lot of opportunities. They put the ball in your court, and it's your turn to take initiative and build relationships. Yeah. So that was a phenomenal segment. We what, probably talked a little too fast, but I, I feel like that's just what we do when we hit were these hitters. segments. They were hitters, dude, and they are. They were great examples. In any regard, are we ready? Yeah, I think they got, a, time. they got a great feel for what homie's about, and I say we just kick it to it. All right, let's go. Welcome for the third time. Third time's a charm. CEO of Homie, Phil Zhao. How are we doing today, Phil? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. This is awesome. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, oh. this is just, it's funny because, you know, it's our third time, like Andrew had mentioned, but this is a culmination of a lot of stuff. A lot of growth, a lot of failures, a lot of tribulations, yes. but... It's it's the year pretty much the year anniversary since you came on our podcast for the first time and it's amazing that you like look at the growth from your your end and our end. It is and I mean I remember walking into your guys' house, you had it you had your little podcast set up and you know, you could see the, the, the hustle, you know, you could see the passion. So it's cool to be doing it on a bigger scale. Absolutely. And you know, as as we always do, we've asked you twice before on a live show and in a normal pod, in a normal podcast, we'll ask you again. Phil, what is your average quality? And I love that you guys asked this question just because, I mean, it's so you. And I've been thinking about it for a little bit. And to be honest, I still don't have a great answer. And I'm, I think it's figuring it out. But when I was growing up, I had uh, my parents expected a lot from me, whether it was grades or athletics or, you know, go to a good college. And one of my favorite shows was Malcolm in the Middle. Have you, have you oh, yeah, seen Oh, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's about this kid who's super, duper smart. And... All he wants to do is be average. He just wants to be a normal kid. And that was me. I, I never wanted to be special. I never wanted to get laughed at or do anything that made made me look bad. And 
frankly, that was probably one of the worst things that ever happened to me. And I think that you know, a lot of kids try to be average. They try to just be normal, but everyone's got something special about them. So this is not a cop-out on your answer, but yeah, I'm, I'm still figuring it out. I love that. And I think the average quality, and you, spe you um, paraphrased it perfectly. The average quality is you know, you're recognizing stuff inside you that you're always trying to approve at. And you're looking inside and you're trying to say, what is that that I need to seek in advance? It Maybe it's something you're going to try tomorrow and it's, you're going to try it for the first time and it's going to be like, wow, I didn't do it that well. But next time I'm going to do it, it's going to be a lot better. So my average quality is the first time I tried this. And we've evolved in asking that question and how we even um, look at that question. And I mean, like you said, you, we ca you came onto our show and it was podcast, I want to say 30, 35. Something like that. And now we're on podcast upwards of 70, including the marketing intern spotlights. I mm -hmm. mean, we have logged our 10,000 hours in the podcast industry, and it's really cool that you've seen us grow through that. Uh, and I'm super stoked to have you on for the third time and kind of go through this again. For sure, and I'm pumped to be here, but I think we're going to dive a lot into failure uh, throughout this entire podcast. And so I just, the failures, the learning experiences, bouncing back, trying to figure things out, because at the end of the day, I mean, we're just getting started. Right? There's, a, there's a long road ahead of us. So. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm excited to be along for the ride. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so I think that's where we, where we really got to start. I mean, there are a bunch of people right now, which is a great thing for Andrew and I, is they don't know who you are. They don't know what homie is. They don't know where it started. And you know what? I, I think we really need to start there. We need to start, you know, what is homie? What's it all about? Where are you guys going? And then we can get into the growth later, but I really want for just sure. to hammer that on first. Okay. Uh, so I'll just take you all the way back. Um, I'm from California originally, Southern California, from a little city called Chino Hills. And you know, I, I grew up very much, I grew up in a very kind of conservative Asian house, Chinese household. Uh, my parents are Chinese immigrants. They came to America in 86, and they went on to get their master's and PhDs. And so I was just, there was a very high expectations from an academic standpoint, you know, straight A's, go to a good college, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I was a horrible high school student. I was, I had a, like a 2.9 GPA. Um, I was the bottom 1% of accepted student GPAs at my college, Carleton College. Shout out Carleton College. Um, and I'm actually really proud of that because you know Carleton took a chance on me. I was recruited to play tennis. Um, I really liked tennis as a kid, started playing when I was seven. Um, and I wanted to be a pro tennis player. Then went and tra trained with the Chinese national team for a little bit. Realized that there's a life outside of sports and I, w I had the opportunity to go to college and so jumped on it. And I went to Carleton. Um, Moved to Minnesota. I'd never seen snow before. Frankly, I think we joked about this last time. I didn't have any white friends. I, I grew up with mostly Asian students uh, in high school, in middle school. And so it was a huge culture shock for me. Um, and I came in with very much the plan of being an investment banker. Like, a lot of kids come into college with, you know, I don't know what I want to do. I don't, wanna, I don't know what I want to major in. I was an economics major. I was applying for internships. I was going hard trying to get an internship at a bulge-backed investment bank to get a summer analyst position to get a full-time offer. Like that was the plan and started applying for jobs. Um, and you start to realize that when you're coming from Northfield, Minnesota, which is where Carleton is, it's really hard to get a job on Wall Street. And it's mostly because I mean, there's 2,000 people, 500 juniors, uh, half of them are going to grad school, the other half don't believe in capitalism. And so from an investment banking standpoint, there's no reason to send a recruiter to campus. And I didn't have any family connections at Goldman Sachs or anything like that. So I literally just emailed every single Carleton alum working in finance uh, who'd ever graduated and gone through the process and 
make trips in New York and Chicago, and I was just trying to get a summer internship. And that turns into this crazy adventure of you know, meeting people, and you know, I was like sleeping on their couches. They'd take me to dinner and for drinks, and uh, it taught me like I got I got a couple offers at investment banks. I ended up going to Hong Kong and you know working on a trading floor there, but that process was actually more exciting than the actual banking, and that's a big part of what started Homey. Um, it was this idea that, frankly, as college students or recent college grads, even adults, no one really knows what they want to do. But that process of figuring it out and meeting people and building relationships along the way, that was what I was passionate about. And that's where the idea for Homie started. Awesome. Yeah. I, there's so much I want to unpack there. And in. with Homie, we can unpack that for in, in a second. But before we get to that, so you went through this process. You set yourself with a goal. Mm-hmm. And you went through the process of trying to get onto Wall Street. Mm-hmm. And through that, you learned a lot about yourself. Yeah. And that's one of the coolest things that we're trying to preach on our podcast. And you're a great representation of that is... Put, give yourself a goal, but that doesn't necessarily need to be the end result. Go through that process and love every second of it because sure. while you're going through that, you're going to learn a lot about yourself and it, your, your goal might change and you might see even a bigger goal ahead. So don't set in stone that end result because that's not necessarily where you want to head. I believe yeah. and firmly believe that every step of the way is where your head should be looking. For sure, and I mean, it's kind of about balance, right? Because you can't just go in and say, I don't know what I want to do, and therefore I'm just going to chill and like, not go and figure it out. You also can't just, I'm going to do this for sure, 100%. I'm only doing that, and keep your mind closed to everything. And for a while, I was like that. You know, I didn't even know what a tech startup was before we started Homie. And Homie didn't start as this grandiose plan to change campus recruiting. It was, we think that if we can put a really cool community of Carlton students and alumni on a platform online, then good things would happen. And that was how it all started, and it's grown a lot since then. And I've gotten the opportunity to meet a lot of people and learn a lot of things. But you know, I think it's just keeping an open mind. And what I love also is like one thing that you said earlier was, you know, I ended up loving the process more than I actually loved banking. Yeah. And I, a lot of people can connect to that, but a lot of people don't realize it. You know, you you can sit here now and reflect on it and be like, dude, that was such a fun time sleeping on the couches, hanging out with these people that I never would have met unless I really put myself out there, and. You know, it's just this whole culmination of things, but you really, like you just got to stay head head square right after, like, you know, just going each step of the way, like you are saying, and it's phenomenal. And what I really want to understand is, you know, you have this idea to connect Carleton alumni with the students to, you know, help yourself mm-hmm. pretty much do what you did to yeah. get yourself to Hong Kong and investment banking. You want to share that with everyone else. Was that kind of the original goal of Homie? Yeah, kind of. So how I got into... Uh, so I was working at Morgan Stanley in Hong Kong. Um, I started off as a summer internship, and I got that opportunity because there was a Carleton alum. He was a 2004 econ major named Hikaru Teramoto. And at the time, he was running Japanese equity sales uh, in, in Hong Kong. And I literally just hit this guy up on email. And I was like, hello, Mr. Teramoto. Like, I'm a soft, sophomore economics major. I want to network with you. Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, I have 15 minutes for a call. And so we were talking on the phone. He's like, you remind me a lot of myself. You know, we both worked at the rec center. We're both Asian guys, like basketball, like just like very similar connections. And he literally just asked me, do you read the Wall Street Journal? I was like, "Uh, yes. He's like, cool, send me a resume. I'll pass it to HR. And so I went through a couple rounds of phone screenings with kind of associates and VPs. And then they flew me out to Hong Kong for three days of interviews. Uh, They called them super days. And so they put us in this like, five-star hotel, you know, they, they pull out all the stops, they bring all the managing directors in, and that whole process in itself was 
I mean, it's so powerful because I was one of the only non-target schools. Are you familiar with, like, you know what the phrase non-target means? No. Well, yeah, it means, like, recruiters from said businesses are always feeding into the same tap. So, like, from the company that I work for, they're always going to Iowa State, and they're always going to Purdue okay. for engineers. Yep. And it's – so it makes sense for these companies, right? If I'm a top-tier investment bank, I'm going to go to Harvard, Wharton, Oxford, Cambridge, and frankly, I can pick all the best people because everyone wants to work in my firm. Uh, so I was the only only person from Minnesota, for sure. Uh, people were asking, you know, what is Carleton College? Is that an online school? Like, you know, where are you from? What is Minnesota? And so it was, it was a crazy experience, and it was – I mean, it was, I was super nervous, right? I was the only, I didn't go to an Ivy League school. I didn't take finance and accounting courses. But I feel like the process of getting there and, like, building relationships with people, you know, I mean, finessing your way in the door, I mean, those soft skills are so important. And then they actually translate to you doing well uh, on the trading floor once you get there. And I'm a big believer that, I mean, a lot of the stuff you learn in the classroom, you can learn on the job. Right? If you're intellectually curious and you're willing to learn, willing to put in the work, you can figure it out. It's not that hard. And so going back to the process, going back to just having that desire to learn, super important. I love that too because you mentioned uh, like your sophomore year. Not a lot of college students out there as sophomores are the top-tier candidates for these internships over the summer. So what would you say to someone who is in that position? Yeah, I mean, it's hard, right? Most companies want to hire a junior that they bring in for the summer, and then they extend you a full-time offer your senior year, and then you join them after graduation, right? That's kind of how it works. If they invest in you as a freshman or sophomore, there's a chance you'll just go to another firm, and it's kind of wasted time on their end. But I think that's really changing, right? I think that people are realizing that young people can add a ton of value on a lot of different fronts. Like for you guys, you started this podcast in college, and... People weren't starting podcasts in college 20 years ago, right? So the idea that with technology, with social media, frankly, any kid with a hoodie and a laptop can build a tech startup now. It might not be a good tech startup, but you can be a founder, right? So I think that realizing that you, figuring out how you can add value as a young person and really diving deep, I think that's, it lends itself to opportunity. So like if a kid, I mean, if anyone's out there listening, and if you're a freshman and you think you can add value to our company, shoot me an email. Tell me why. Show, show me that you've done your due diligence. Research the company. Tell me about how you can help us grow our user base or how you can help us drive revenue or build our brand on your campus. We'll hire you. Like, I, think, I don't think age should be a restriction when it comes to talent. So, personal opinion. Love that. Mm-hmm. And okay. I think that putting the ball in their court is huge. Right? Yeah. Telling them they can do it. But you need to take those actions. You need to move forward and actually reach out. You can't just sit there like, I am not getting any opportunities. I'm a sophomore. It needs to be through you. And I think your story speaks great volumes to this. It's like taking action and investing in yourself. Um, Can you touch on a little bit early on, like what you did to kind of invest in yourself to make sure you were able to get to where you wanted to go? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think part of it is, again, showing that you want it, right? For, I remember interviewing with Citigroup uh, for their insurance investment banking division, and this guy, uh, this vice president, he points at a stack of resumes on his desk, you know, hundreds of resumes. And he's like, every single person in this stack is probably more qualified than you. They've taken finance courses, accounting courses. They're from top-tier schools. Um, 
their GPA is higher than me. I didn't have a super high GPA in college. Um, and like, why in the world would I hire you over these people? And my answer to them was, look, I've been in New York for the last two months. I've been coaching tennis at the Manhattan Plaza Racquet Club, playing tennis with people in the industry, trying to find a foot in the door. Like, no one in that stack of resumes wants it more than I do. And I truly believe that. And if you can get that across, I think that, I mean, passion speaks volumes. So, I mean, show that you care. And you, and you showed you cared with us. And that's why we've continued this relationship. I mean, and I think it, we returned the favor right away with other kind of side ventures that we've been partnered together with. Um, and that's one of the coolest things. Like, you reach out to someone that you necessarily don't know, and you reached out to us. Um, because one of the campus representatives was like, hey, these guys would be cool, and you could get a little inside scoop on St. Thomas. For sure. And you came on our show, and then that was that. But we were like, we want more. We love this guy. And we continued this connection that we've had, and it's built into something very powerful. I yeah, mean, absolutely. It's, it's just that's networking, and it can work with any single situation. Yeah, and, I mean, you said the word networking, right? Networking means a lot of different things to a lot of people. Like, to me personally, I hate networking. I think networking networking reminds me of going to young professional networking events and like, woohoo, here's your business card. Like, thank you, thank you. And like wearing suits that don't actually fit you and just like really uncomfortable situations that are super transactional. I don't think networking should be that way, right? I think networking should be about meeting cool people, hearing their stories and getting to know them on a deeper level and building like a genuine, like you said, a genuine relationship. Uh, and I think that message is lost. Like, networking is from our parents' generations. It's what people used to do. The world has changed, and I think we need a better word for it. Yeah, and I think yeah. we can, I think it may be just connecting, because um, if you think about networking, too, it's, do we have an entire network on social media yeah. that we can tap into every single day, right? What's the point of a business card when you can just say, hey, here's my Instagram, go ahead and follow me if you really want to know what I'm about, or LinkedIn, or, you yeah. know, we can go on and on and on. But I, I love the point. It's just have a conversation with some cool people. Well, there was this, uh, so we were put in the Minnesota Business Power 50, which super undeserved. This thing right here? The real Power oh, yeah. 50? So this is, uh, yeah, I was on the front page with the CEO of Thor Construction. They're a huge real estate construction firm. Uh, and, you know, he had this whole, like, blurb on, like, I'm a thought leader, transformative, visionary, blah, 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 which I'm sure he is. Um, for me, I was... I have two skills in life. One of them is playing tennis, and the other is cooking Chinese food. And my career is a product of people just happening to like those things. And it's true. I mean, like, a lot of the, the reason that Homie has done what it's been able to do is because we've had a lot of people who helped us out. And they didn't have to help us out. They, they liked us. And it was because of the relationships, right? Um, one of the best things we ever did for business development in the Twin Cities was I got a membership at this uh, tennis club in Eden Prairie. And I play Tuesday night doubles with a bunch of older dudes. I'm like the youngest by 20, 25 years. But we play tennis on Tuesday nights, it's doubles, and then we'll go for beers afterwards at the clubhouse. And they're like my Minnesotan uncles now. Like we shoot shit, but we also talk about life. And some of them have become our investors. And I mean, they've changed my life and my company and 
I, I just it speaks to the power of relationships. Yeah, building relationships. That's a perfect example. Like we do it through the podcast. You can do it in many different ways. One of them is playing a sport with another person and then building a relationship with that. And we're gonna have a podcast that's gonna be released shortly after yours that we actually just interviewed yesterday. His name's Walter Bond. And instead of going to a $150 steakhouse every night or once a month, he spent his $150 on a tennis club or a country club in Eden, uh, e, uh, Edina. And uh, that's how he was building relationships. Because yeah. he was like, these are where the people with the money are going to be, and I want to build relationships with these guys. Yeah, it's not just about hanging out with rich people, right? Like, I used to think that. Or like, when I, was, when I was a sophomore trying to get into investment banking, I was playing tennis with anyone who looked rich. I had no idea what wealth was. I was just, I just figured if they can pay. I mean, when I was at the Manhattan Plaza Racquet Club, it was $120 an hour per court time. And it was like $50 for me as a hitting coach to be on the court. So they were paying $200 an hour plus whatever tips they'd give me to play tennis. And it's like, if you're showing out $200 an hour, you're doing something. And like, the one thing that I think a lot of people fall in the trap of is like doing it for the money. Because like one of the most, like one of the most formative pieces of advice I've ever gotten was from my boss. It was like my sophomore year at an insurance company called Pacific Pioneer. She's like this 70 year old Taiwanese lady who just came to America 40 years ago, like worked her way up in insurance, started her own firm, and is now worth you know, many, many millions of dollars. She pulls me into her office the last day, and she's like, Phil, what, it was Philip back then. <laughs> but uh, she, she basically said, whatever you do, don't do it for the money, which is like easy to say when you're worth $50 million. Yeah. But she was like, wake up because, or do what you do because you can wake up, wake up in the morning and not feel like you're going to work. Like, do what you do so do what you love because you're doing what you love and it doesn't feel like you're working. And I think that's the journey that we're all on. It's about finding what you genuinely care about. And if you can do that, the money will come, ideally. Yeah, and I think that was, you framed how I said it way better. And I should have said, um, use your money in a way that you're gonna meet people. It doesn't necessarily need to spend it to go to a country club or a tennis court, but use it in a way that um, invest in a situation that you're going to have the opportunity to meet with someone, whether it's $10 and you're going to a seminar. Yeah. You're, uh, $10 you're going to go to a, a new concert with a local band, and you can meet the band potentially sure. afterwards. Yeah. Um, if, you want to get, if you want to find your path, start small. Start locally. Yeah. Um, and you will build those relationships. And I think the podcast, or sorry, I know the podcast is a perfect example of, of networking and building relationships. Um, that's what we've experienced. And you have experienced it perfectly with Homie, and that's been your passion. Our yep. passion's connecting it through audio. You're, you're giving people an actual platform to connect with every single person at our university that is on Homie. Yeah. That's one of the coolest things. It's, I mean, social, social media is this really, really crazy space, right? It's, you can be whoever you want online. You can create your brand. Your, you, know, you, can, you can literally be anyone. And you know, part of that, I think, takes away from the authenticity of relationships because you know, there's, just, there's something about sitting down with someone and like, having a meal and listening to music together. and like, That experience, I, mean, I think that's what brings people together. And you know, I don't think that technology has crossed that threshold yet. You, know, you can talk about like, AI and Internet of Things, you have connected homes, like, whatever it is, but at the end of the day, there's something about looking someone in the eye or having a beer together, whatever it is that builds that rapport and that relationship. Yeah, and I don't even think it has to be with, like you said, those millionaires or those, no. you know, those goal characters that you you look at and you're like, I need, I want to sit down and have a conversation with that guy. Everyone brings value to the table, and we have totally seen this 
you know, manifest through the podcast and just you meet people every day. And if you can just show, you know, humility, being genuine, all these different kinds of things, like you're going to get it right back. Yeah. Garbage in, garbage out. If you put in some humility, you'll get some back. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest, like, one of my favorite things about homies, I meet all kinds of different people. And we've done a lot of, you know, twisty, turny things like signing hip-hop artists and starting a food truck, which we talk about later. But it's, everyone has a story, right? You can, everyone has a story of who they are and what they do and how they got there. For us at Homie, our mission is to help people share those stories and to build better relationships. Uh, but, I mean, you can learn something from everyone. And I feel like I've learned a lot from you guys, just being on the show and you know, hearing your stories and watching you guys come up. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't cross someone off a list just because they're not rich. I think I'm not rich. Like, I'm probably the brokest CEO in the world. But I think that you know, if you can learn something from someone, that's a win. Mm-hmm. And this podcast in particular the one we're interviewing right now or having the conversation right now, this is target. All of our podcasts are primarily targeted towards the 18 to 24 year old market. Um, But we have a lot of different variety of listeners with that regard. But this one in particular is fully forced directed towards the 18 to 14, 18 to 24 year olds, because what we're talking about right now is grassroots. It's the grassroots of building a mindset. It's the grassroots of building a work ethic and having a, a passion to grow yourself individually in your industry. So if you're going to go ahead and be a mechanical engineer, what are you going to do to figure out how to get to that next step? Well, you're going to want to talk to someone who's in that field. And Declan can speak for this. That's what he did. And that's kind of how he found his first job. Um, And he did that through his university. He had a friend and then that person connected with her parents and then bam, they got his foot in the door and that connection was built. Yeah. Um, you're speaking on homies behalf and that's another perfect example where if you're in the Twin Cities right now and you want to talk to someone in your university that has any type of work experience sure go ahead and sign up for homie because that's the connection that you're gonna want to get build and then you can sign up reach out to them and say hey I would love to meet with you for coffee yeah and build a relationship and so I mean you're starting to talk about jobs now and I think that maybe a lot of your viewers are applying for all these jobs, and they may, they may feel like their resume is not being read. It's ending up in this black vortex of resumes. And frankly, they're, just, they're applying for all these jobs, and they don't hear back. And it's like, am I stupid? Like, am I not a good candidate? And it makes you feel horrible. I went through the exact same process. But how the industry works, and this is some kind of insight, and we've learned this through building Homie. Uh, every company has what's called an applicant tracking system. So it's technology that they use where... It looks like it's their job site, right? So you apply to said job, and then your application goes into this applicant tracking system. And through that, they can schedule interviews and all these things. When you have thousands, tens of thousands, I think my analyst class at Morgan Stanley had 90,000 applications uh, for the internship class. I mean, when you have that many, you can't read every resume. So what they do is they go and screen for keywords, right? They, they have a filter. So did this person go to an Ivy League? Check. If not, they're out of the pile. Uh, do they have over a 3.5 GPA? If yes, check. If not, out of the pile. And so for someone who doesn't have some of those, and it's not even necessarily your fault that you don't have them, uh, you have to get a foot in the door some other way. And that comes from an internal referral. So you find someone in the company who believes in you, like truly believes in you and is willing to put, their, put themselves on the line for you, and you have them send your resume into the HR department. The H- and then HR calls you the next day with an interview. So what we do at Homie is we've built this platform where students are talking to alumni, 
And if the alum likes the student, they can refer the student to HR with a click of a button on Homey. And that completely changes that recruiting process because companies don't have to physically go to campus anymore to recruit. They can have high quality internal referrals from all these non-target schools across the country from their employees. And they're vetted, pre-vetted, and frankly, like that's one side of it, but if you're a young person, like what are you looking for after college? I mean, the money is one side, you know, like perks and benefits are great, but you're looking for the best learning experience. And the best learning experience is gonna be with a mentor who's been in your shoes before and knows what you're going through and is willing to take you out for drinks on Thursday and show you the ropes. Like, these are the people you hang out with, these are the people you avoid, this is how the world works. Like, everyone needs that kind of person. And it all goes back to the relationships, right? How do we tie that back together? Finding people who genuinely care about you. I think finding those relationships is made super easily on your platform. You know, people are probably asking, like, well, what's the difference between this and LinkedIn? This is just another professional networking <laughs> platform, which you get that question all the time. All the time. When I pitch homie to other people to like, I, I get that question all the time too. And it's, and it's as simple as this. It's building a relationship. And the way you do, like, think about it on the simplest terms. You're only going to want to hang out with someone if they have some similarities to you. Yeah. Right? So if I'm going to go look for an alumni, like Andrew had mentioned earlier, I want to look for a mechanical engineer who played football and, yeah. you know, went to St. Thomas. Yeah. Those are all three things that I had and that he would have. For that's sure. going to that's gonna at least get us interested in each other. That might not be the end result of, like, the things that we converse on or anything like that, but that's that's the uh, the culprit. For sure. And football is this really interesting I think it's a cult, personally. But uh, <laughs> especially St. Thomas football, you guys are very culty. Um, in, a, in, a, in a good way. In a, uh, I mean, in a, in a winning way. How about that? Fair enough. Uh, so Carlton football went 0-10 this year, right? which is not good. Uh, they went 1-9 the year before. Also not good. And so we have a guy who works here. His name's Jake. Uh, he played four years of Carlton football, tore three labrums, got at surgery, went back on the field, and then went and coached for three years afterwards. So he loves Carlton football. And so it like literally tears him apart to see Carlton football in the state that it's in right now. So he had, he had a happy hour for uh, alumni, Carlton alumni, and he rounded up 30 plus alumni. It was like class of 1958 all the way to 2018, all across the years from various different places in life. And they just talked. And it was, there was so much like football bro in a room. It was, it was a lot. But you could just see the, just the, the built in, they, they just care about each other. And those people are the ones who are, I mean, those people will change your life, right? And I've had that, I've had the good fortune of meeting tennis alumni have changed my life. I mean, football alumni have helped me out too. But it's about finding something you have in common. But more importantly, it's about, I mean, it's about creating that connection. It's about, you know, getting deeper than just, oh, we went to the same school. Like, maybe you went to the same school and you lived in the same dorm room. Like, I, I was back at Carleton Alumni Volunteer Weekend a couple weeks ago, and I met Phil, of the, I call him Phil of the Future. He's also from San Bernardino County. Uh, he lived in the same dorm as me in college, like literally the, the same place. And he ended up building his career in the Twin Cities, and he did a lot of stuff at Carleton that was like everything that I did. And we ended up just hanging out for hours, uh, just talking. And those are the kinds of things that like, no one will ever be able to understand as much as that person. And so, I mean, again, those people can genuinely change your life. Absolutely. Yeah, and you're talking about some, building something deeper. And I think that deeper is probably, it, it's somewhere along the lines, if not it, trust. 
Yeah. And that's what you're doing with another person when you can reach out through their university. And that's a, a great in, um, initiator to trying to um, get to the next thing that you might be going for. But at the same time, you're building a connection with someone. And so you have that university. And you can show them all the different things that you went through, all the failure that you went through, and show them that, hey, I was in that same situation, and look what you did. I'm trying to do what you did. And it's so once you, homie's a great way to get your foot in the door, and it allows you to even go the step, far, step further. And that's when you can start building that trust. And other things like the football also help those yeah. pathways open. You know, it's funny. I'm doing the exact same thing now that I was doing four years ago when I was trying to hustle and get into banking, right? So how we make money as a company, it's Homie's completely free for students, alumni, and colleges, right? We'll never charge our users in that way. And so we make money by going to these companies and having a very frank conversation with them about how they hire. So our, one of our first clients, uh, Thriving Financial, this big Fortune 500 insurance company, they go to 15 schools. But when they go to these schools, they go on campus, and they, frankly, it just doesn't make sense for them to send a recruiter to Northfield, Minnesota, or Oberlin, or, you know, just, it. Your return on investment. Yeah, the ROI on sending two recruiters to this remote place and finding 10 people to apply for your job just doesn't make sense. And so all these bright young people are skipped out on from these liberal arts colleges. Uh, And from my standpoint, it's. How we got that in was there was a Carleton alum named Bill McKinney, he's class of 1990 history major, and he was mentoring history majors on Homie. So Homie, the the OG version of Homie was like set up as a Q&A feed, so this history student asks, how does a history major find a job in business and what kind of soft skills translate into you know, doing well in business? Bill McKinney jumps in, he's like, graduated in class of 90, ended up doing all these things, this is what I think, boom, boom, boom. And then he hits us up and is like, can I use this to hire people? This is dope. And we're like, uh, not yet, but we'll build you something. And so we built the ability for Bill to refer students to his HR department on Homie. And then we sold that to Thriven, and they came on as our first Fortune 500 client. And that started the, the avalanche of Thriven Financials hiring the best college talent in the Twin Cities, period. What are all you other companies doing? And so now we're working with a bunch of different companies to help them find the best and the brightest people. And how that always starts, how we sell into companies, I find the most senior Carleton alum at every company. The CEOs, the CSOs, the you know, VP of strategy, operations, and just sit down with them. Like, do you remember how hard it was to get a job coming out of Carleton? Nothing's changed. Like, let's change that. And you know, that's how that conversation starts. So going back to the process, going back to relationships, you know, it's, you know, it's what I do. Mm-hmm. And what's cool is, like, there's a lot of failure involved in a lot of that, right? I mean, Jesus. <coughs> we we started, we got, yeah, here starting. we go. Get, okay. get geared in, boys. Do you have tissues, guys? Can, can I Because, <laughs> I mean, God, we, we can talk about it on our end. You can talk about it on your end. And, and just to start it off, it's like when you started, homie, when we started the back pocket, it was two average guys who had no idea what the heck they were doing, and all they wanted to do was record. It's you. Uh, you know, we'll say it, you're average, but you you had you had you had these experiences that you just wanted to share with others. Yeah. Look, I mean, we've screwed up a lot with Homie. Um, <laughs> our the first line, literally the very first line of our 2017 annual shareholders report, is we got distracted by shiny things. I remember having that conversation yeah, with you no, in, uh, this past it's, January. We sent it to all of our shareholders, all of our investors. 
everyone who cared. We actually put it on LinkedIn and it got like thousands of, of views. Just and people don't read anymore, which is so that's surprising. But it's talking about how, uh, I mean, when we started this, we didn't have a business model, right? It was just the idea that community would bring people together. And so we did a bunch of random stuff and we, we bought a food truck. And the idea was that this food truck will go to college campuses and it will uh, give out free food. So I was in the back chefing it up. I was like chopping the onions. I was making fried rice. I was doing everything. Leveraging what you were good at. Leveraging what I'm good at. And I mean, we had a food truck that didn't make money. And you could only get the food by signing up for Homie. So that's how we got our first you know, couple hundred thousand or hundred thousand, not hundreds of thousands of <laughs> users. Um, hundred, two thousand. Yeah. We're, we're working on it. We're getting there. Um, so that's one side of it. The other side of it was like, well, we signed a hip hop artist, and that's. I mean, do you guys want to talk about? Yeah, that, uh, gosh. What's have his, you met? Oh, so I never had the opportunity to meet him. No. So, I I, uh, so what's again, his name again? His name's Momo. M O M O H. That's right. And again, I come from like suburban Asian, like Southern California, where there are no rappers where I come from. Right. So I was at this restaurant slash bar called Hoban Korean Barbecue in Uptown, and. I walk in and this guy's like 6'5", tatted up, he's got gold teeth that, are, that I later learned are called grills. Um, and in my mind, I'm just like, I'm, not, I'm never gonna hang out with this guy ever in my life. And a song comes on and everyone's dancing to it and he's rapping and I was like, oh, this is a really good song. What song is this? And he's like, oh, this is my song. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, I've never met a rapper before. And so he ends up coming, he visits our office and we start talking. and. So I ask him, like, do you ever rap about anything that doesn't involve, like, shooting people or selling drugs or, like, the club? And he's like, what else is there? <laughs> Which, so I started taking him to, like, tech virtual reality conferences. I took him to play tennis with some of our investors. I took him to meetings with our lawyers in the IDS tower. And I even took him home for Christmas. Like, I came home after, like, a year of not seeing my family, and I brought this six-foot-five tatted-up rapper. And my parents like lost it. It was it was pretty funny actually. I wish I had like documented it, but he started to see this world that wasn't the streets, and he started to incorporate that into his music. And he ended up getting signed by another record label, and they put millions of dollars behind his music and bought him features with, you know, Rick Ross, Gucci Mane, Yo Gotti, and now he's you know, blowing up on on the music side of things. And I mean, we sell HR software, so we can't really be associated with the weed smoking rapper. So. We still have a great relationship. You know, I still talk to him time to time. Uh, but it's one of those things where, like, we did a lot of stuff that literally had nothing to do with our business. And that was a huge learning experience, right? Because all those things were distractions from our core mission. And our mission, it is and it has always been to help people build better relationships and to help people, people find their future selves, right? To help you go and find that mechanical engineer from St. Thomas who's 15 years out and knows everything that you've been through and for that person to change your life. So, you know, I mean, I could spend this entire podcast plus more talking about all the things we've done wrong, but I think it's about learning from those failures and you know, bouncing back. Yeah, we like to frame the failures as outcomes we didn't really predict. Ah, yeah. And um, at the same time, it might not be the outcome that you wanted, but what are you going to do now? That happened. You have to take. You have to look back on it and find those learning lessons. Or you can't just like push it aside. Like, damn, we failed. <laughs> like that's that's never going to happen again. Okay, how are you not going to let that happen again? You're not going to let yourself um, get distracted by shiny objects. And yeah, go ahead. Well, you know what's funny is that we pulled up this food truck to Thrive and Financial, and we signed up sixty of their employees by giving them free lunch, like just in the middle of the day. And 
the company thought this was so innovative that they ended up closing an HR deal with us that was worth more than our food truck. Which is just, <laughs> and so it, that, all these kind of outcomes that you're talking about, they led to where we are today. And frankly, yeah, I apologize to our investors for spending a ton of their money on a food truck and a wrapper and we did marketing for the Timberwolves. It was just like crazy. But I mean, I wouldn't trade that for the world because those experiences are what have made me who I am and homie what it is. So, and you just continue to learn, continue to be curious and just figure things out. Now, did you get distracted, you know, by these shiny objects? Like when you were going through it, were you like, oh, I'm building relationships. Like this is always going back to my mission. Like you're looking back at it now, you're like, that was so far off the beaten path. But like in the moment where you were like, were you really genuinely believing that that was that was the, the goal and you were you were doing it you had a good reason behind it yeah well so our mission is it's very broad right mm -hmm. building better relationships right how do you build relationships with people food music entertainment sports and so we just did all those things right? like the food truck the wrapper the timber like all this stuff was because we felt that would build better relationships yeah. And I think that that's kind of a testament to, like, don't do it for the money. Like, do it because you're genuinely passionate about it. Because, I mean, we could have turned all of those things into businesses, right? We could probably be making a lot more doing those things right now, like in the short term, than we could, like, selling HR software. Because selling HR software is a very long sales cycle. Uh, but this is what we're passionate about, right? This is, I mean, my team, I'm very lucky to shout out, like, the whole team, uh, all of you guys. Seriously, uh, they wake up and they come to this office and they love what they do. And I mean, that makes me so happy as the founder. And my co-founder, Chitao, has been with this for three years. Like, he's turned down four offers from Instagram in the last year, each for more and more money and way more money than we're paying him uh, to do this because he genuinely believes that it's changing people's lives. So shout out Chitao. Wouldn't be here without him. He's the he's the developer, dude. He's the guy behind this. He's the brains. Uh, he's he's a brilliant brain, brain, dude. Absolutely love him. Care awesome. about him. <laughs> um, so this podcast we're really, er, today. While you guys are listening, marketing interns. It's if you were listening to it on the initial release date, it's September 10th. So that means, homie 2.0. You could call it. Yeah. What do we well, call it? Like thing. homie. 20.0. 20. 20. Hey, that's, 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 that's what people don't see, right? Yeah. The the editing and the re-editing and improving, the optimizing. For sure. Um, but Homie 2.0, can we call it? Or what do you call it? Yeah, let's, let's call it Homie 2.0. Okay. Homie 2.0 is released on September 4th? Yep. It's uh, Labor Day. Labor Day. Yeah. September 3rd. Uh, it's, yeah, so for, we're, it's, yeah, walk me through It's it. pretty much, all right. Let me take you like through product design because okay. I had no idea what product development or design how it worked you know before we started this company it's been a trial by fire just jumping straight into it um, when you build a product it needs to solve a need for someone right you can't just build something that you think is good and if because if no one likes your product no one's going to use it and you're basically just building something that's worthless and so it starts with finding the problem and i think we've identified the problem right campus recruiting is broken you know, it's hard for non-target school students to find opportunities and relationships are what glue it together. And so for us, Homey started off as a social network. It started off as a Q&A platform where you could ask questions and alumni would answer them. You could message them. You could look up alumni. You could do all these things on Homey. But we realized that 
that's not what our users necessarily wanted. And so we started talking to people. We literally just sat down and watched them use the site, asked them about their problems, and we realized that, you know, for a, so you guys have used Homey before. Like if, if I'm a St. Thomas student and I jump into Homey and I see all these questions and answers and I see all these alumni talking, it's like, that's terrifying. I'm a freshman. Like, I, I, I don't know what to ask. I don't want to look stupid in front of my peers and many generations of other graduates. And so what we did was, for now when you sign to Homey, the first thing you do is you join your communities. You join your sports teams, your clubs, your student orgs. Whatever you did at St. Thomas, you join that. And you can see all the people who also were part of those things. And it becomes this place where you can discover who you are and who you want to be, right, to find your future self. And that in itself is hugely impactful. It's like Carlton football, right? That happy hour turned into a lot of really cool things. And one of them was Carlton's rolling out, Carlton football's rolling out a, they're calling it the four for 40 initiative, where if you're gonna commit four years of your life to football, and you guys know how hard it is to be a student athlete, uh, if you're gonna commit four years of your life to football, that should prepare you for the next 40 years of your life, right? You're joining this community of people who genuinely care about you and are going to help you out. Uh, they're also going to use it as a recruiting tool. So prospective student walks up to you know, the coach. What do you want to do, kid? Doctor? 15 Carleton alumni who are top neurosurgeons all across the world. You want to be an investment banker? The CEO of Barclays is a Carleton alum. Class of 85, econ major. He'll talk to you. You want to work in tech startups? Jake over at Homey, he loves this. You know, he'll help you. He'll do whatever you need. And so that message, I mean, that's very powerful. And so what we've really done with the product is we've built it around what we what we've discovered that people want uh, so i mean the best i can talk about this all day but i think the best thing to do would just be to check it out we're open at 15 schools currently uh, we'll be in 30 by the end of hopefully by the end of 2018 there might be a couple stragglers we're focused on small private liberal arts colleges in the middle of nowhere uh, because those are the ones that need our help the most and um yeah it's and frankly, for anyone out there who thinks Homie would be cool at their school, that thinks this is a fundamental problem, like we can open up new schools in a heartbeat, right? But we just, I mean, it's, it's a pretty simple process for us. The reason that we're focusing on these, these core schools is because we want to focus on solving people's problems, and we want to build an engaging product with product market fit so that when we do scale out to hundreds and thousands of schools, we know exactly what we're doing, and we're truly delivering value for our users. I love that. And what you mentioned earlier, too, was, you know, Homie helps you kind of find yourself and find yes. what you want to do. And there's tons of people out there that are like, man, I, I'm looking at these three guys up here. or And, yeah, the, you know, Phil's wearing a Hawaiian shirt. And, you know, we, it's, it's very casual. But, like, these guys are driven. Like, these guys can talk for hours on the stuff that they're passionate about. If I were in their shoes, like, I don't know what I would talk about. I don't know what I what I like to do. And I think that's homie's mission and has or a facet of the mission is like how do i find my passion yeah and i think the first step is just be passionate <clears throat> about it if you're motivated if you if you want to take that next step like that's all you got to do but yeah. just keep taking that step and you'll find it well and college is this really interesting time in every young person's life because you're a blank slate yeah and you, you go in there and you're exposed to so many different people from so many different walks of life and i think college is some colleges do a better job than others, but they create these really diverse uh, ecosystems, we can call them. You have people who are first-generation college-goers. You have ultra-wealthy East Coasters who come from you know, old money. And you pack all these people together, 
in a small condensed place for a really long time for four years mm -hmm. and the number of just interactions and just collisions that you have with people from all different walks of life you're never going to get that anywhere else right i mean if you're just hanging out at the country club like you're going to hang out with country club folks who are certain kind of people but college is this place where you're exposed to all these people and it gives you an opportunity to find yourself and to figure out who you want to be so go to college i guess yeah. well even on top of that too is what do you say to someone who maybe doesn't have the money for college or doesn't want to yeah. necessarily go to college? I feel like there's a lot more people now. I, I think I read an article the other day, like the Gen Zers. Are those the upcoming guys? Is that? No, yeah, I think you Gen and I are Gen Z. Are you guys Gen, are we Zers? Gen Zers? Yeah. yeah. I think it cuts off at like 28. Yeah. Like, and then everyone... there's, like, there's a year, so I think it's 1995. It's like varied. It's like 95 to 2000 if you're born. Oh, I'm 96. What are you? 96. 96. Okay. Yeah. So we're Gen Zers. I didn't know that. Learn something new every day, folks. But like this generation, that yeah, what I don't that, even what think that, it's what the generation. It's not. It's not the Gen Zers. I, I messed that up. Oh, it's the on. generation before us that's going into college now, and how it's like less popular, and that there's other ways to leverage your passion. There's other ways to learn. Yeah. And yeah, it's really, sure. it's not necessarily like the books anymore. It's yeah. not necessarily having that accounting class. It's like almost YouTubing how to account or like sure. putting yourself in those situations. I mean, I went to a liberal arts college, right? They didn't teach us anything about building a business. They didn't teach us anything about product design, about UX, about hiring, about firing. None of that. Mm -hmm. I YouTubed every, or Googled, YouTubed everything. Like when we were first raising money for our company, how do you raise money for an early stage tech startup? What is an early stage tech startup worth? And Quora told us it was two to four million dollars based off of projected future earnings. And so we raised our first hundred thousand at a two million dollar pre-money valuation because that's what we thought we should do. And we had a couple other factors. We, were, we had an accelerator offer early on. They wanted us to drop out of college to, it was 50,000 for 7%, you know, like drop out of college build this company and then we we're kind of like well first off my mom would kill me and secondly like it's hard to do a student alumni networking thing if you didn't graduate from college so a lot of factors in there but you know at the end of the day i think you raise a really good point i traditional college is going away in a, lot, so? in a lot of different respects okay. and the, the kind of college that i'm talking about is maybe different than uh, maybe what you would think when you college mm -hmm. uh, like the university of minnesota fifty thousand people you're in classes with hundreds of people. You don't have to go to class. You can just listen to the lectures online, look at other people's notes, show up for the midterm, and do fine. There's a lot of people who do that, and that's not the college I'm talking about. The college I'm talking about is the liberal arts college experience, which uh, is, like, my school was 2,000 people, a little over 2,000 people. I was in classes with 8 to 10 people, and you couldn't ditch class because there's only 8 people, like, you can't not read, do the readings because it's discussion-based. And I think that my biggest takeaway from Carleton was learning how to learn. And I, and I mean that in the sense of, you know, like I didn't have any hard skills. I still don't have that many hard skills. But I have this, I know that at the end of the day I can figure it out. And I think that that mentality is super important. And on the flip side, you know, to be able to exercise your creative passions uh, to, to be able to pursue and to learn about the arts, music, literature, to be able to write. Writing, like, people can't write now, and it sucks. Like, how can you not write? It's just, I don't what know do, how. What do you mean, how can you not write? 
I'm an engineer. I, I just did a bunch of technical writing, and then we're, we started a blog, and I'm sitting there with a blank paper. I'm like, man, do I just write my thoughts on paper and make it sound good? Or? I mean, eventually you guys are going to scale up, right? This right. podcast is going to go from two dudes to ten dudes, or hopefully not just dudes, but no, you, you employees, yeah. employees, yeah, like ten people, and then you'll be at fifty, and then you'll be a hundred, and then it's going to come to a point where you can't just have individual conversations with everyone in the company, mm-hmm. right? You're going to have to write something to the company, right? And you're going to have to do that as yeah. the people who are leading this company. And if you can't write, like, how are you going to get that message across? And so, like, that's one side of it. Another side of it is just, it's intellectual curiosity, right? To, mm. to be someone who is constantly learning. Like, you hear all these, like, Gary Vee's and you know, Ty Lopez's, like, learn, 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 read books. Books are great. Books are important. Yeah, yeah, you should read books. But it's, I mean, it's just about being curious, right? To continue to ask questions, to ask why, to, to figure things out, that mentality will take you very far. At least it's, I mean, it's taken us pretty far and we're just going to continue to do that. Yeah. We're saying the same thing. Not to correct you, but Gary Vee is one of them, like, he's an extremist in a way that oh, yeah. he says, don't read a book. Don't ever read a book. That's a waste of your time. That's um, funny because he sometimes, sometimes, yeah. <laughs> no, doesn't he? I feel like he's I, he's I, like you waste your time if you're reading a book. Why don't you actually like go out and try something? I and I listened to a podcast today where it was on the Bulletproof podcast, and he was saying he's like, hey, he's like, you got a book coming out, like trying to get Gary to promote his book. And he goes, because he sells books. Yeah, right, he, he has a book called Crushing. He he sells books. It's a, called Crushing It or something. Yeah. And he goes, I will never market my book to someone. That because I know like marketing it isn't necessarily gonna make them read it, right? It might make them buy it because my name, but it's not gonna make them read it. Okay. And so if the if there there are people out there that he would obviously wanted to actually read his book, those are the readers. But for someone like myself who doesn't commit two hours every single night, I'd like to to read, but it just doesn't happen. He goes, okay, well, I have I come out with three podcasts every single day, a seven minute, a thirty minute, and an hour long one. Why not listen to that? If you're intellectually curious enough, going back to your point, Phil, then you're, you're going to accomplish in grabbing information from all kinds of sources. And I think that's what's great about, like, social media and technology is, like, I, when I listen to podcasts, and that's really where I learn to grow, is through podcasts. I'm just, instead of listening to music, the same music that I always listen to, I'm listening to podcasts. I'm listening to Gary Vee. I'm listening to Malcolm Gladwell. You're being Gladwell. intellectually curious. I'm being intellectually that, that, curious. That's, that's what we're getting at. And I think... That needs to be known, and that can be learned. Again, so you started with um, you need to, you need to have an ability to learn. That's what people. That's what you gained out of college, and I think that's the same thing that we're trying to do. And I think that's the message we're trying to share with our marketing interns: yeah. grow an, an, an innate ability to learn and be intellectually curious, because there's so much out there. And if you're open to hearing these point of views and these perspectives and kind of gathering in what they're saying, you don't have to accept it. You don't have to start doing it, but you just have to hear them out because. That'll make your thoughts go in a different, in a new direction, whether it's someone talking politics with you and you're just hearing their side and then just saying, oh, wow, that's how they look at it. I'm never going to agree with that, but that's how they look at it. I never knew that. Um, or if it's trying to be an entrepreneur and looking at if you're going to be in tech or you're going to be starting a retail, why not look at what someone did in tech? Because they definitely could, you could take something from that. Maybe you're not going to do exactly what they did because it's tech, but it's going to be something in there that like, oh, wow. They took it this way, and they were able to achieve something like that. Yeah, so before I forget, uh, if there are any startup people, you guys should check this out. Uh, there's this organization called Y Combinator. They're, um, 
they're an accelerator that has spit out so many high qualities like Dropbox, Reddit, like all these guys or all these companies went through Y Combinator. And the the found or the, the people who run Y Combinator, they publish essays and they do interviews with founders, so really successful founders, anyone from you know Reed Hoffman who started LinkedIn to Peter Thiel, who started PayPal and just everyone. Right? And they put out this content about this is how you build a startup. This is how you raise a seed round. This is how you raise a Series A. This is how you hire, fire, you know, scale up. All these things, and everything that you need to know about building a company is available on the internet. Right? People have put that up there, plain and simple. You just got to go. And Declan, to your point of you don't like to read, that's totally fine, right? If you think about it, a book is really just words on paper, right? It's content. Content can be consumed in many, many different ways. Mm-hmm. Right? It could be a podcast. It could be a video, like. I mean, we've got cameras, we're transcribing this, I'm probably going to write something about this. Like the, like, the message that we have here is going to hit so many different people in so many different ways, but what's important is the message, right? It doesn't matter how you exactly. consume it. Exactly. I love that. Um, you have a question? No. You, you look like you. No. You're itching for something, dude. No. I'm good. Uh, Damn. So there's think? actually, I was, um, I was, we had a kind of company movie day today. And we watched this movie. It's, it was from this guy named Jeremy. It was a Vice documentary, actually. And it was by Jeremy Rifkin, who he's the economic advisor to Germany and China. And he's just working like the countries? Yeah, yeah. Like Angela Merkel brings him in to talk about economics and how they're going to grow their grow Germany. And it's titled The Third Industrial Revolution. So it's talking about how the first industrial revolution happened in uh, Great Britain you know, back in the day coal, the printing press, steam engines, railroads. I mean, that was, that changed everything. Production, man. Exactly. Uh, And then the second industrial revolution happened in America with cheap Texas crude oil. Like, that was the new infrastructure, the the energy that was powering everything. And then Henry Ford put people into cars. We built highways. We could literally drive from one side of America to the other side of America. That was industrial revolution number two. Mm -hmm. We're currently going through the third industrial revolution where, I mean, I don't know how environmental you guys are, but I mean, global warming is a real thing, uh, yeah. regardless of what Donald Trump says. Like, global warming is happening. Check out our John Abraham podcast, and we, okay. yeah, global uh, warming is happening. And, and so we've, we have this reliance on carbon, on fossil fuels, and we're, we need to get off that. Like, our country is literally, or our, our world is literally heating up in a ways that are not good for the world. And so they talk about how, you know, we need to get off carbon and we need to get on renewable energy that's solar, that's wind, that's, I mean, it's it's just where the world is going, right? So you go from coal to oil to you know, renewables. And then the next step is to build the infrastructure upon which all of this happens. And that infrastructure is the internet, right? In the 17 years since, since Napster, think of everything that's happened. Like we went from, you can file share to, I mean, the music industry has completely changed. There are podcast platforms. We're building a social network, right? Like people, the way people communicate has completely changed, right? And on top of that, I mean, you look at artificial intelligence and the internet of things, right? AI is going, and robotics, that's going to replace the majority of jobs in the world, right? Manufacturing jobs, trucking jobs. The nature of work is changing. And so when we think about homie, we don't just think six months in the future. We think about three years, five years, 10 years, and hopefully 20 years and into infinity. 
and we think about the future of work and what's going to happen. And I've, my personal thesis is that like robots and AI, it's going to take away a lot of the mundane work, a lot of the manufacturing jobs, and it's going to give humans the ability to exercise the creative part of their brain because that's stuff that AI can never do, right? To come up with ideas, to create content. Like think about what's going on like just with you guys in the podcast craze right now. Like anyone, I mean not anyone, but you can get this equipment, you can create things, and you're creating this content, this content, again, in many different forms that you know people are consuming, and that is the future. And so going back to this whole idea of like being creative, learning how to learn, doing all these things, the world is changing, and if you're not changing with it, then what are you doing? Yeah, these are life skills that are going to help you out for your, the rest of your life, whether you live to your 80 or will probably live to 120 with stem cells, you know, what, you know, whatever it actually is. And I think that's a great point as to why we've seen this word entrepreneurship grow from something that we couldn't pronounce seven years ago to something that's a very tangible and real thing that a lot of people are trying to do. Yeah. And so we're in a really interesting point in time in, in our, like, yeah. Earth's history, and human beings have literally been on this Earth for a fraction of the time that the Earth has been around. I learned that in geology class. Uh, <laughs> and what's crazy is that all of this stuff, right, like this building, the the architecture, the networks, all of this infrastructure has been built very relatively recently, right, in the last couple hundred years. And technological advancement is only going faster and faster, mm-hmm. right? And we can dive deeper into the economics of that and everything, but at the end of the day, it's just, if the world is changing, you need to be adapting to it. And you know, the people who have the foresight, the self-awareness to, to adapt to those changes, I mean, those are the people who are gonna come out on top. And you know, there's, I think America has you know, the American dream, the entrepreneurial spirit. I wanted to talk to you about this. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of all those things. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you also have to be realistic about you know, some of these things where, I mean, if you're, if I'm, if I'm running a coal plant and you know, I'm just like, I'm gonna work harder, right? I'm gonna live the American dream. If your industry is being replaced, it doesn't matter how hard you work, you have to work smarter too. Like I have all, I remember in banking, I mean, we're putting in 80, 100 hour weeks, but it's like, how much of that time are you actually working? Mm-hmm. Like truthfully, I mean, how it works is you as an analyst, you're sitting there and you're waiting for your boss to give you a pitch or to give you work to do. And you're, you're reading the Wall Street Journal, you're you know, kind of fooling around on Bloomberg, you're, you know, you're just doing stuff. But it's not actually productive stuff. And then the boss comes and drops all this work on your desk at 5 p.m. because he's leaving for the day, and then you spend all night working on that. And then there's this like badge of honor. It's like, I work 100-hour weeks, you know, I work harder than everyone. But it's like, are you actually working? Mm-hmm. Are you working hard or are you working smart? So it's, there's a lot of things we could talk about that's like the uh the tim ferris four hour work week yeah that's like his whole thesis is like if you just didn't spend as much time by the water cooler and spend more of your time you know just grinding and taking everything in these 60 minute segments you're just going to get so much more done but one thing you mentioned that Mm -hmm. i really want to touch on we've had this conversation off air before is the american dream and it even ties in with the world is changing the american dream and what that stands for is changing you know before it was like the opportunity and now andrew and i and you are also kind of seeing it's like you can start a company and you can do pretty much anything you want at the click of a button it's insane 
it's actually insane. Like if we, Andrew and I, over the past, what, three, four weeks, would you say, we've been starting Back Pocket LLC. Yes. That's been the last month. Yeah. He has incorporated. Yeah. We are yes, incorporated. Mm-hmm. And it's a great feeling, but I mean, it was Andrew and I having three conversations and asking a couple people and they're like, oh yeah, just go to LegalZoom. Sign up. Yeah. Yep. 200 bucks. We'll handle it. Yeah, 200 bucks. <laughs> do this, do that. Here's a couple of paperwork. Research what taxes are. Understanding how, how to write things off. Do this, do that. Business insurance. What are you doing? Yep. What do you want to do? Getting a bank account. Getting a bank account. Still got to do that. But again, like we just gave you the last three weeks. Three weeks yeah. to start something that could grow into something special. Yeah, and you know, they say that it takes three years as a startup to actually figure out what you're doing, mm-hmm. like to find your market, to, to understand your customers' needs, all those things. They're right. Like it, you, when you listen to podcasts or you see the news, they always talk about the, the ones who made it, right? The Facebooks, the Snapchats, uh, all these companies that have you know, blown up. And they're awesome, right? They're, they're founders, they're visionaries. You know, they're really changing the world in a lot of cool ways. But they don't talk about the graveyard of startups on the side of the road, right? Nine out of 10 startups fail, which that's just the reality of life. And at the end of the day, there's a lot of hard work behind the scenes that people don't see. Like, I think Instagram's a great platform, right? I, we're, I don't know if our phone's still live streaming this, but <laughs> is it still going? No, it's oh, gone. that thing um, cut out Bomber. But, <laughs> but Instagram's this place where you filter pictures and make your life look better than it actually is, right? And you know, one of the things that we've tried doing with Homie is to really paint in, like a real picture of where we are. I mean, we're very candid about it, right? A year and a half ago, we had eight full-time employees, six interns, and 50 campus homies across schools. And we had a VP of sales, a VP of ops, a VP of marketing. We had a VP for everything. And we hadn't made a single dollar in revenue. I was like, why do we have so many VPs? Like, what are they VPing over? And we realized we'd just hired all of our friends, right? We'd built a startup and not a business. And we were literally playing startup. We had ping pong table, beer fridge, and we were doing all this stuff, but it wasn't actually driving revenue or engaging our users. And we had to fire everyone. We went from eight people to just the two founders, myself and Jatel. We ran Homie Lean for eight months, closed our first Fortune 500 client, and then hired people as we were scaling up because we couldn't handle the workload anymore because there's literally not enough hours in the day. And those are the kinds of stories that you don't hear. Right? And those are the kinds of stories that you should hear because it's not all sunshine and butterflies when you're building a company. Right. It sucks. Like The life of a founder, the journey of a founder is a very lonely one. And you know, it's not for everyone. Yes. So, mm-hmm. And you can find that same message out there. And, and Again, you said 9 out of 10 people have experienced a failure uh, and with a startup and we had another person on our podcast michelle weinstein season two episode 29 and she talks about fitzy food okay and she was pitched to a shark tank she was on shark tank nice. pitch it to the, the four or five sharks however many are up there and none of them gave her an offer and what she do she utilized the knowledge of going on there and what their questions were she improved and then she got a bunch of um, contracts with Costco and um, Vitamin Shop, and she was getting building business and everything. But at the end of the day, there was still loss, and she wasn't efficient enough, and she had to close the company. Whatever we don't know the exact yeah. details, but she had to close Fitzy Foods, and that led her to the next thing. Yeah. And now she's a pitch queen, and that's her title. And she has a website, <laughs> and she helps people learn how to pitch to other uh, investors nice. to pitch for themselves. And 
um, she grew from it. So it's like you can start a startup, and it doesn't have to succeed. You want it to succeed, obviously. That's the goal. But if it doesn't, don't look at it as, again, like we're going to continue to preach this message. Don't look at it as something like, all right, dang it, I failed, and push it to the back burner. Yeah. I mean, you said your audience is, what, 18 to 24-year-olds? Primarily, correct. Yep. If you're 18 to 24, this is the time in your life where you can do anything, right? Assuming that you don't have a wife and kids and, you know, you, the circumstances allow for it, what's the worst thing that happens? Like, what, 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 if you guys ran with Back Pocket for a couple years and it didn't, it didn't end up going the way you did, what happens? You're, what, you're 24 with a lot of life experience and you're on to your next venture. And built a network of 300 plus people. Some, yeah. yeah, and hopefully Some more, more, right? Mm-hmm. Hopefully more. So it's just, I mean, this is the time, like, risk is a real thing, right? Now is the time in your life to take risk. And it can be calculated risk, but, I mean, that's going to change when you're 40 with two kids and you have to take them to soccer games and you want to spend time with your family. Like, at least my mentality is that this is the time in my life where I can work the 100-hour weeks, like, truly work 100-hour weeks mm-hmm. and to grind. And, you know, that's, that's what I've decided to do. And this is not, like, one of those Gary Vee inspirational, like, going, you know. No, that's the thing. It's just, it's just an experience that you've had, just, and this is your sharing of what's feel, happened. Yeah. Yes. Um, do you have something? Yes. Yeah. And authenticity yeah. and reality and promoting the real you can throw i mean i have no problems because we do this sure um saying something real showing something real and still throwing the filter on it take advantage of what instagram gives you take advantage of the platforms make it look good whatever but the the message has to be there you know and i you know it's it's tough because gary v like consumes this world a lot of the times and you're like oh man i'm starting to sound a little bit too much like him but it's like dude he's just trying to promote practicality, reality, and stuff that's going to have a lot of crossover with our lives right now. I mean, it's working. We've How many times have we talked about Gary Vee? Way too podcast? many, probably. <laughs> Gary Vee tickers at like 12? Yeah. 12,000. Oh, 12,000. Wow. That's a lot. Jeez. Jeez. You got to slow down. Yeah. But hey, reality, man. Just promote it. Love it. Mm. Learn it. I want to put the ball in your court Oof. with uh, our two final questions. Okay. Two final so, questions. The first one, again, like I said, it's putting the ball in your court. This is something we've done since uh, we learned about ourselves and we grew and we realized we need to allow our interviewees to be an interviewer. Okay. So do you have any questions for us? Ooh, that's a great question or opportunity to ask a question. Let me think about that for a sec. Um, why do you guys do back pocket? Why? Because you guys could be doing other things, right? You could be making a lot more money, right? Podcasters don't get paid starting off, right? Like, why are you doing this? I'll start, please. I love connections, and I love being a squid and bringing people from one side and people from another side and knowing that they're going to love each other. I also love talking. I love promoting stuff. I love, like... You do love to talk. I love to talk, and I got to work on... I got to work on... I got to work on listening. No, but it's... Yeah, no, come on. Like, when I am... Like, right now, this is my... This is what I look forward to every single day. I love talking to people and just having genuine conversation because I know... It's just going to grow me in another way, and it's going to take me along this path where it's just amazing. And I can reflect on that and be like, oh, dude, I, this would have never happened for the back pocket. Gen- general answer, conversations, building something that I love, having a conversation. I, uh, to answer your question, I'll, I'll also do it, uh, answer the question. But, oh, uh, good. But yeah. Um, for me, it's all about growth and development. Okay. And I've gotten so much personal growth through this. 
And then through that, I have opened the door for so many other people to kind of experience the same thing I have. This is not something I'm going to a coffee shop and I'm having a conversation with someone who started Pure Somni, someone who started um, Cannabis, someone who started uh, all of these f- f- uh, Yo Eats. These are all different entrepreneurs that we've had on our show. And you can go back and listen to it. So I'm personally growing, and I have an audience that can follow my growth, follow Declan's growth, follow Back Pocket's growth at its core. Yeah. We're being extremely transparent with every single thing that we do, and they can see all the failures, but all the successes we've also had. And then at the same time, you're hearing a bunch of other stories, and then that person that has listened to two episodes or they listen to 30 episodes, they're like, wow, these guys are awesome. And these people that they keep talking to are awesome. I'm taking away enough to continue to bring me back. I'm just going to throw in a follow-up question, if that's all right. Please. Yeah, that's fine. So I've been on this, like, social responsibility tip, right? And there was this, uh, this kid, Eric. He, uh, he, I met him his freshman year in college. I spoke at his entrepreneurship class, and uh, he came up to me, and he's like, uh, Mr. Show. I was like, don't call me Mr. Show. That's my dad. Call me Phil. Uh, and he's like, I want to be an investment banker. I was like, why would you want to do that? Right? And I ask everyone that because investment banking is – a really tough career and frankly with regulation and how the industry's going there's just less jobs and it's not as desirable as it was in the 80s uh, so I asked him like why do you want to be a banker and he said uh, something along the lines of I'm from a you know working class family in Wisconsin right I'm working at a sandwich shop right now my job is to put meat and cheese on bread and wrap it up and give it to someone I want to see what else is out there in the world just like oh, that's a good answer and uh, so I put him in touch with some of the seniors or the freshmen who were freshmen and I was seniors, who were seniors now that he's a freshman. And they you know some people who were working in investment banks, he started talking to them. And you know I, he came out to Minneapolis, crashed on my couch for a little bit, hung out in the office, and I introduced him to all of my friends who had gone into banking, consulting, and all those places. So he was running around Minneapolis, like, you know, doing the whole coffee thing. And then he, you know, we sent him out to New York, and he was doing that too, met a bunch of people. And a couple weeks ago, he hit me up and was like, I just got a summer analyst position at uh, BMO Capital Markets very prestigious investment bank in Twin Cities. And he's like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Like, boom, boom, boom. And he's like, I didn't do anything for you. Like, I pointed you in the right direction, maybe cracked the door open, but that was all you, right? So my question for you, and this, I apologize, is a long question, but how are you making the world a better place, right? How are you helping people? And you know, how are you going to continue to do that? I believe we're helping people. First off, like I mentioned, why we're doing it with being transparent. We're not afraid to show everything that we've done because we believe that shows exactly who we are and someone can follow that and believe in us because we're not hiding. Yeah. We're not hiding in the shadows of, of a failure or of something that we did wrong, um, but we're, we're openness and willingness to, to promote that. Um, the other thing is we have a mission statement of we are committed to unlock everyone's innate ability to be an entrepreneur, motivator, and influencer. Gotcha. Those three things have so many different qualities that come into being one of those. But they're all inside us, whether it's being trustworthy, whether it's being tenacious, whether it's being uh, have a passion. There's so many different qualities that feed into entrepreneurship and being a motivator, but it's inside you. And we are allowing ourselves to show how we're learning to do that. We're not perfect by any means. We're far from it. We're a couple pair of wildly average guys. We are listed as a comedy podcast on iTunes because it's funny what we've accomplished, I believe. Like, you can look at us. These guys are just ordinary, and they're talking to all these people. Look at these knuckleheads. Like, that's funny. That's, <laughs> that, I enjoy, I appreciate that. And uh, Because we'll always be that. Yes. I don't care if, if someone comes up 
and we're now millionaires. You know, maybe not, maybe we are, but they'll see us as millionaires. The other people will see us as two knuckleheads. And I would always, my goal is to always have people see us as knuckleheads. And mm-hmm. you guys will always be knuckleheads. Yeah. yeah. Please. Exactly. <laughs> Dude, to piggyback off that too, positivity and humility. Those are the two things that I really want people in this world to have more of. Yeah. Yeah. And being transparent, you know, having that mission statement, all commit commits right back to that because we'll talk about our fa- our failures, how you know our average qualities, yeah. and immediately it's not like making fun of each other or looking down on us or anything like that. It's just all right. What's next? How do we get better at this? Mm-hmm. And then we'll come back at the next episode, the next the plus one, and be like, all right, listen up. Yeah. We figured it out. We figured it out. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it, simple as that. I mean, being humble is so important. Like, it really is. Um, we had this uh, local editorial. They're called Power Moves Twin Cities. They came in and they interviewed us and they did all that stuff. And I'm actually really proud of it. It was So the video segment that we did was their most viewed YouTube video segment like mm. that I know of. Um, but they asked, what is your power move? And it was like, 22 years old, I don't have a fucking power move. Like my power move is admitting that I don't know shit about shit. And I firmly believe that every single person in this company believes the same thing about themselves. And if we can admit that we don't know, then we put ourselves in a position to learn. And I think it's important to humble yourself and admit that as an 18 to 24 year old, you don't know anything. But that's the best place to be in, because you can go and learn a lot of things. So. I guess that's my advice. To the that's awesome. And it transitions perfectly. You can learn a lot of things. <laughs> the last question. Oh, okay, okay. Last question. What did you learn today? What did I learn today? Uh, that's a great one. I learned we should do this more often. Mm, uh, that's for sure. This is a great setup. I think this is going to make us look really cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm super excited to see the video of everything because uh, this is the most professional I think we've looked in our uh, podcasting Bro, career. I'm wearing a salty dog shirt and some, <laughs> some dirty jeans. How professional oh, is this? Hilton Head. Yeah. So we used to go there for tennis um, oh, every spring break. Yeah. Nice. Yo, mm-hmm. we got to get them out to Hilton Head. But, uh, so I think one of the biggest things I've learned, and I don't necessarily say it's not necessarily learned, but it's more confirmed. It's that young people have the ability to do really cool things, right? Hanging out with you guys like it makes it energizes me, right? It it makes me feel like there's hope for young people in our generation that we can continue to add value to society. Frankly, we're in a rough spot right now societally. Right? There's a lot of things going on, and I think that a little bit of positivity goes a long way. And if you guys continue to spread that message, I think that's a net positive thing for society. So, right on, man. Thank you so much. <laughs> we appreciate all the time you've given us. All right, Absolutely. for sure, man. Thank you. And that was our interview with Phil Zhao for the third time. How was it? Phenomenal. There's no other way to put it. I loved every second of it. You know, hour and ten minute. We had we had the full set. We had the cameras. I was a little nervous at the beginning, to be honest. We never had anything. It, like it felt. I'm, I said this at the end. It was definitely the most professional we've looked um, to date because of that setup. And then you just totally. Uh, I'm wearing the salty dog salmon shirt. Like I don't look professional at all. I was like. Yeah, I get that you personally don't feel like you look professional, but the whole, like, MO of what we were doing felt super professional. It did. I hope I didn't ruin that. No, I'm, dude. I'm not professional. All right, look at, so all our marketing interns looking at the YouTube video right now, look at the color saturation of Declan during the homie interview, because that shirt just was exuberant. It was vibrant. Vibrant. Whatever Instagram filter he threw on that was just 
awesome. It was awesome. Thanks, man. But enough about Phil. Let's get to the back end because mm-hmm. this is where I just this is where we thrive. Absolutely, it's our favorite time of the of the podcast, the back end, and it's. I mean, there's really not not much more to it other than a couple guys having some fun for ten minutes. Yeah. So thank you guys making it this far. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, you, so you, 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 you you guys know the drill. Absolutely. Sorry. Let's go. Let's do a little talk about something that we learned outside of the what did you learn segment Ooh, so does that mean this is a sneaky secret sneaky all right so hub and spoke it's one of the oldest marketing tricks in the book your dad sent us this the other day so all those marketing interns that don't know well how would you detail okay. hub and spoke think of a bike tire where you have the main hub in the middle so you know a central circle and then all the spokes the wires are sticking out of it connecting to the bigger wheel your center spoke is or your center hub is where um, you want to drive your traffic to so in our case our podcast page the spokes are all the different ways that we get um, other people's attention um, about our main spoke the podcast so your dad was saying hey we have you guys have the marketing intern spotlight, and I think you guys need to triple down on it because it's acting as one hell of a spoke, and it's acting as a way to really get people on your podcast platform. And you're getting a, a different audience. You're creating a new spoke with every single intern because they all have different audiences. And I, when I read that, I was like, "Yes, yes, absolutely." It makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. And I think that came at a perfect time after we had Mohammed Malaman mm-hmm. because he was just a tier above the rest. I mean, I love all of our marketing intern spotlights. I love them all, and they're all unique in their own way. But when Mo came in and just started talking about um, Epimonia, yeah, it was just the coolest experience, like coolest thing to hear his story and how he started it and how where he came from. So I want to continue to move in that direction, getting students that are doing incredible things, people listening to our show, people that follow us on all this, on any social media, please come on, please reach out to we us. We want you on the We show. want you on. No matter, if you don't feel like you're worthy, you are. You absolutely are worthy to come on the back If pocket. you're thinking to yourself like, oh, I would never do this because I don't have anything to talk about, you do. you're the perfect candidate. Absolutely. You are the perfect candidate. Jack Burke, who, which is our most recent one that we just came out with our most recent marketing intern spotlight sorry he literally told us like why do you guys want to have me on like i don't have anything important to say and it's like jack burke you're wrong and those people who think that are wrong you guys have all kinds of stuff to talk about and we want to get it out there and you guys it what's funny to think about is like everyone has an audience everyone has an audience absolutely if you you're telling just me just unlock where that audience is you don't you don't not you may not necessarily know where your audience is or who your audience is but through our conversation, we hope that it will unlock that knowledge. Yeah, but like, think about this. If you were to come on and we were to send you like a video of a certain part that you enjoyed and you were to post that on your Facebook, post that on your LinkedIn, like those people that follow you and have a dedicated following to what you are doing don't follow our podcast and they're going to be the ones that will actually click on it because they care about you. We just happen to be the guys putting it out there for you. Mm-hmm. We happen to be the guy creating the link, happen to be the platform to, you know, have you on. You know, that's really all we are. We want you, we want to promote you. We want to we want to get your story, your struggle, all that stuff. So good stuff, man. That's a, that's, your, that's your sneaky secret. Yeah. Show that show that to your kids at the water cooler 
hub and spoke. How's it work? It's an old marketing tactic. So anyways. Phenomenal. Well said. Uh, let's transition to uh, the reoccurring segment of every single podcast. What did you learn? Mm-hmm. So what did I learn from the moment I woke up to right now? I learned that data plans are still horrendous. I really don't want to talk about exactly. Um, this is your data plan? Uh, in general. Okay. I just think the unlimited plan is it's just not real. It might yeah. be, but my, uh, my, my plan, it just doesn't, it doesn't, uh, doesn't have that. And I can't stand it. Are you Verizon? Yeah. Okay. I think they do, but whatever reason we don't have unlimited plan, uh, I just, I can't do data. I got to I got to get free data. I, yeah. Data just should be free. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about it. Let's transition. Go okay. to you. All right. I'm done. Uh, I, that was a terrible. What did you learn? But I just want to move on. Okay. I have unlimited data. Just saying. Trap the buck and Declan, what did you learn today? Okay, okay. I uh, unlimited data. Me, I was actually using my data today, and this is what I learned. I learned about the Waze app. You know what that is? I know Waze. Yeah. So the Waze app is this unbelievable app that basically gives you. It's a. It's like Google Maps, but like way better. It tells you like where cops are. Not that that matters. Accidents gives you like three or four different routes. Mm-hmm. So I was coming back. Um, from a meeting I had today and I'd never been on I-35W like 20 miles out of the city and I'm coming back and I hit traffic like hard and I'm like, dude, I don't want to be in this traffic. How do I get out? Waze came to the rescue. I was hearing about this from uh, your mom was like, yo, download the Waze app and you'll never have a problem. So I went to Waze and I said, how do I get to this location? They say, if you stay on this route, you'll get here at this time. If you go over, if you take this exit, take a couple left turns, a couple right turns, you're going to get there in 10 minutes less. And then it, as I was on that new route, they're like, hey, I actually found a new route for you. Um, there's an accident on that road now. Like, oh, like it was like I had Waze sitting in the passenger passenger side of the car and just helping me out. Instead of Mr. Mises, it was Mr. Waze. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Rick and Morty reference. I love it. So Waze, download the Waze app. Cause not it's, an ad. It's not an ad, no. We might send it to him, like email Waze and be like, hey, yo, we mispronounced your name, but Waze is cha- game changing. It's the Waze app, but we, we got to call it Waze. Sounds way better. Waze. Download it. Use it. Google Maps. Apple Maps. It's, you don't have a candlestick. Over. Yeah. Your mm-hmm. time is over, Google and Apple. Sorry. So that, that made me feel pretty good. Okay. And nice. I say we take this a step further and mm. we do a feel good story. Ooh, absolutely. As we always do. So we finish. We always finish on a positive note. No matter what our podcast it uh, holds in the prior minutes, be, um, but now is when we we get positive. We we make you guys feel good. We end in a positive note. So Andrew, feel good story. This is goes back to kind of a message that we said back in season one that we I want to continue to talk about. Okay. Um, and it's grassroots and how that how real they are and how just things that you the phrase that you said when we were playing football uh, last fall semester. The seeds you sow are the plants that grow. And that's 100% right in regards to if you want to take action on anything, plant your seeds. If you want to build a relationship on a homie, plant your seeds. Because the seeds you sow are the plants that grow. Small incremental changes, small incremental improvements go a long way. It's the continuous improvement method of just trying to find the next step. The seeds... You sow are the plants that grow. Short sentences, strong verbs, man. And I think that is exactly what it's all about. you got to reinforce it at all times. 
And you got to realize it's all about doing. We're in the art of doing everything. If you have a thought, if you have something that you, you want to do, aspirations, do it. Literally just do it. And planting that seed, it may not, it may not sprout tomorrow. It may not sprout a month from now. But over time, you continually do this, make those small incremental changes. Water it. Water it, man. Just think about it as watering the little seed you planted because it's going to sprout. So marketing interns, lock in, find those small incremental changes, go out and do it. The seeds you sow are the plants that grow. We love you guys. This was a tremendous episode. It was a little long, maybe in your books, but in our books, we just love talking to you guys. Time is nothing, nothing more than just the fourth dimension. We're always living out here. Next episode, we travel into a new dimension with Stationary Astronaut. And let me tell you, buckle your seatbelts. Dick care. Love you guys. Dick care.